Several people have commented to me this week saying, that's a fascinating title. What on earth are you going to say? If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Okay, take, do you have a pulse? Mine's going pretty good right now. It's okay. Mine goes a little faster when I stand up here to preach. It always does. Not going to change, I don't think. And here's the verse. This is the one that's going to tie it together, I hope, this morning. But there's going to be several verses that are, I hope, interwoven in what I have to say. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart for my holy purpose. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. That's the Lord talking to Jeremiah. The phrase that's in there that to me just jumps out at me is my holy purpose. God had a purpose in Jeremiah's birth. My holy purpose. God is saying through Jeremiah that each one of us here this morning that God has a holy purpose for you. You have a purpose. There it is. When I was a boy, I don't know, eight, nine, maybe ten years old, I can remember my Aunt Thelma saying to her two sons, Tom and Tim and myself, with her hands on her hips, you boys are about as useless as bumps on a pickle. (laughs) If anyone can tell me what good bumps on a pickle are, I, I have no idea. But I think she was saying we were about as useless as that. They're just, there's no use to it. Now, the word purpose... When I look it up in the dictionary, it says this, an anticipated outcome that is intended or that guides your planned actions. The Bible says that God deliberately made each of us with the intent of making us holy like himself. With a conscious aim and a plan of answering the immediate needs of others. God makes us like himself to meet the needs of others, to touch other lives. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose to touch someone else in Jesus' name. Okay. Here's where I get scary. I want you to turn to someone in front of you, beside you, or whatever, behind you, but you're going to say it out loud to somebody. You're going to say that sentence right there. God purposely created you to be a blessing to me. Okay, it created some laughter in some of you, so that's maybe a good thing. I don't know. But I believe that. God created you to be a blessing to me. That's the way it is. Each of us has been given our own particular gifts, spiritual gifts, and it's to be used now in the building of God's kingdom. I don't know how many, and I'm going to say it's well in excess of four or five hundred spiritual gifts tests that I have given through the years to people. Spiritual gifts test is not a personality profile. It's looking at, as a Christian, what are the strengths that you have as a Christian, biblical strengths, to assist in the family of God. Things like teaching or leadership or prophecy or 
you know, pastoral gifts. It's all, there's 21 spiritual gifts, according to the New Testament. I believe that in those spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit has come to set us individually apart for a particular purpose that he has already planned in advance for you to give and do and be for someone else. Now, we're going to come back to that piece, which is coming from last Sunday. There's a link here from last Sunday's sermon to that. God has formed us and shaped us for a particular purpose. God intentionally used our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents to prepare us for serving him. As a boy, there was absolutely no way my dad was ever going to come to church to do anything, like on a work day or something else, without bringing me with him. He was teaching me early on there's a purpose to what we do, and it was about service in that instance. It was there to serve others. God's purpose requires the Holy Spirit to set us apart. To set us apart for his service to others. You know, in one sense, as I was looking over my notes throughout the week, I kept saying, you know, this really is a holiness sermon. It really is. If we are letting the Holy Spirit fill us and letting him work through us, it is all about holiness. For you see, you are unique. Every one of us, yeah, I know some of us are more unique than others, aren't we? I know that. Okay. No one else can do what God wants wants you to do, what God has planned for you to do. Your call to whatever aspect of ministry is totally unique. Uh, as I was writing that down, and I think Julie's probably already, yep, she's already laughing. She knows exactly where I'm going to go with this. Back when our oldest daughter, who has got a wonderful singing voice, always had from her childhood all the way up, um, I don't know how old she was, probably 12, and we had an evangelist come. Older than that? Okay. We had an evangelist come. And he wanted to have her sing that song, a song that had the title, was Nobody Else Just Like Me. Do any of you know that? It's a toddler's song, by the way. And Krista was just mortified that she had to stand before the whole congregation and sing a toddler's song. But there's a truth in that toddler's song. There's nobody else just like me. We are unique. Likewise, in our scriptures for today, we find ourselves witnessing how God purposely prepared and set apart the young Jeremiah to minister to the nation of Judah. You have the nation of Israel to the north that's already been conquered and taken over by the Assyrians. You have the nation of Judah to the south, and it is the morals are in tremendous decline and decay, and God is saying to him, things have got to change. And you're the one I'm going to use to do it. You're going to help me do it. The phrase I want to use here is this. God had to gradually prepare Jeremiah for his assignment. Don't be afraid that if you say yes to the Lord when he asks you to do something, that it's going to be like, bam, and it's an 180 degree about face. When I look at scripture time and time again, really people were being gradually prepared. God had a plan early on. 
You see, the scripture says this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before, I mean, he's an adult. He's an older man. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. This is gradual process. God's, God's planning and working in Jeremiah's life from before he's even born. In other words, God tells Jeremiah that he had gotten to know him before he had even conceived in his mother's womb, and that it was in that state that God had called him to prepare him for, here's John White's phrase for this, for such a time as this. You're going to keep hearing it every time I preach, okay? Until we get a new pastor, I'm going to keep running that phrase at you, for such a time as this. God was preparing him, and what is God preparing us to do right now? God knew Jeremiah's personality profile. He also knew his strengths. He knew his weaknesses. And as a result, God had already set him aside for the special ministry purpose during a particular time in Israel's history. Likewise, God's Holy Spirit sets you and me apart. God has set us, those of us, up there on watching us on YouTube, those of us here in this sanctuary this morning, set us apart for such a time as this. We can't be and do things other people do. We need the Holy Spirit to be in our lives. We are set apart in preparation for God's service, enter the holiness piece again. We are put together for God's purpose. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, to prepare us, to empower us, to help us minister one to another. Uh, Do you remember that the writer of the Proverbs said this, God made everything with a place and purpose. There's a time and a season to everything, said the scripture. And if you can't remember that, if you're as my age, you can remember in 1965, there was a group called The Birds who sang that song from Scripture, which was a lot of fun for me as a Christian to tell my friends in high school, that's biblical. There's a time and a purpose to everything. And I'm sure you will never forget this verse of Scripture. I, I, I wanted to put it here, this one out of the message, because I think it just says it differently. It says it, it helps me. God says, I know, okay, God says, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Isn't that a good verse for us as we're in this interim period? God says, I know what I'm doing. You know, don't worry. I know what I'm doing. You know, some of us here today may be unaware that how God has formed us and created us. Maybe not one person in this sanctuary today, maybe nobody watching online has any doubts about God's creation of you and why he created you. But there are so many people who have no idea why they are here on earth. It's just life. And when it's over, it's over. It's done, you know. They're going to cremate me and it's going to be just dust left. There's, there's no heaven, there's no hell. It's just, it's, I'm done. 
They have no idea of what, why or what. But I look, and I'm just thinking of those of us who are here this morning. I cannot do what Mike is doing back there. I have no clue how to run the sound system. At times Mike says I have no idea either, but he's got a more of an idea than me. I have, I, there's no way in the world I could be up here doing what Janice did, playing that, that keyboard. I can't do that. I, haven't, I can play Mary Had a Little Lamb with one finger, and that's it. Well, I used to be able to. I'm not sure I can anymore. I cannot do... I, I, I can't do what Emily does, cleaning the church. The church wouldn't look very good if I was doing it, okay? You might be able to write your name in dust on a lot of places in this place if I was doing it. There are just so many people doing so many things, and it's what we individually do, how God brings us together. Hundreds of thousands of people around the world are clueless about the purpose for which God has called them. Perhaps some of you are struggling with the question of Christ's purpose for you. Why am I here? Why am I here now? The question for many is, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing for God? And as the saying goes, I'm glad you asked. What am I supposed to be doing for God? Rick Warren, I enjoyed doing a study many years ago now. I suppose it's been at least 20 years ago when he wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. I'm, I can't imagine there's any one of you here that didn't read that book. It was the number one bestseller for many years. When he talks about God's purpose, one of the statements he makes in the book is this, we were shaped to serve God. God deliberately shaped and formed us to serve him in a way that makes our ministry unique. God carefully mixed the DNA, the chemistry that created us. Kind of sounds like the Jeremiah piece too, doesn't it? I think it's very consistent with it. The psalmist David praised God about his incredible personality profile, shall we say, where King David, the psalmist, writes this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You made everything, God. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to tie together last week's sermon and this one, and the, the, all the pieces here of where how it goes. I have said for, you know, let me go back. A little later in that psalm, as I was reading that when I read down in the scripture a little bit later, and uh, verse 16 of Psalm 139 says this, Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God's in charge of the whole thing. He knows what's going on. There's nothing that happens in our life that is insignificant. For so many years of my life, um, I have mused the phrase, God does not waste any experience of a consecrated life. We look at some things in our lives and we say, I wish that had never happened. God can use the bad and turn it into good. I just, I have experienced it and I believe it my whole life. You have been created for a purpose. Let me get this order up. Oh, we'll use this Proverbs piece. And I know that all things, or excuse me, Romans, 
And I know that all things, what? Work together for good? To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. I don't always like the way everything works, do you? But God can use it, and it can work for good in the end. Each of us is created for a purpose, and here's the verse again. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. At the bottom of the hill from where Julie and I live, um, there's been a sign up for many, many months. And the sign says this. It's got a picture of a beautiful little baby, and it says, Heartbeat in six weeks. I looked up information to make sure that was right and a few other pieces of fact. And it is a fact that between six and seven weeks, you can detect on an ultrasound a very clear heartbeat of a baby. At six weeks. Do you know how big that baby is at six weeks? That you can detect a heartbeat? Half inch long. And yet the heart is going chug, 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 chug. The little engine that could. Six weeks. Something is happening. To me, that is absolutely amazing. To me, it's a miracle that a six-week-old baby in the womb could announce itself to the world that the heartbeat that sounds so clear and so strong as a little engine of life that's coming our way. How fearfully and wonderfully we are made by the hands of Almighty God who watches over us. A new life with a purpose. For two weeks I've been trying to show you what the Bible says about life, and I want to conclude today with Jonathan's story. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Jonathan's parents are Jason and Lauren. Lauren graduated from uh, Lowell High School as valedictorian, went to UConn, and then to Georgia Tech, got a master's down there. Her husband is a police officer, SWAT team captain, man's man. Lauren owns her own cheer gym, she and her sister. They teach world champion cheerleading. They are about the best there is in the country. They already had a little boy, and when the little boy was maybe almost four years old, Lauren became pregnant again. And they have, I did their wedding. I know, know them pretty well, obviously. And when uh, they went to go get an ultrasound of that second little baby to see if it was going to be a boy or a girl, the technician who was doing the ultrasound, in dad's words, he looked troubled and just walked out of the room. A short while later, another doctor came in with a higher level of training and came and brought them to another room with more sophisticated machinery. And when he got done running that second ultrasound, Jason said that um, he didn't want to look them in the eye. 
And he said, I finally said, what's wrong? And here's what the doctor said, quote, your fetus, didn't say baby, your fetus has posterior anencephaly, hydrocephalus, bilateral cleft lip, cleft palate, clubbed feet, an unknown issue with his fingers, an incomplete closing of the backbone around the lumbar spinal cord and spina bifida. With heartbreak, he said, what does that, I know what the words mean. I understand the words. What does it mean? And the doctor said, it means your fetus is incompatible with life. They said they went out to the parking lot and sat in the car and cried. You would too, right? And when that happened, they said they then called their pastor. They were living in Charlotte. They still live down in the Charlotte area. And they called their pastor to see if they could come in and talk with them. And the receptionist said, I'm sorry, but the pastor has got someone in a counseling session right now, and he has another uh, appointment immediately after it. And this was late Friday afternoon. And they knew that they wouldn't be able to see him on Saturday either. And they said they just, they were heartbroken. They didn't know what to do. They said basically on Saturday morning, they almost came to the decision that maybe we need to have an abortion. Why bring a life into this world with this condition? They didn't talk to their pastor. But on Sunday morning, he said their pat when they came into the service, they go to a really big church, a very big church. He said the pastor came up and stood up before them and said he started the service totally different than he had ever had before. And he started it with the phrase, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And the two of them looked at each other and grabbed each other's hands and said, our baby has a strong, clear pulse. God must have a purpose in this baby's life. As they left church, they decided together they were going to let God be in control and not a doctor. And as Jason tells the story, Lauren said, the baby's name is going to be Jonathan. You know what John and Jonathan means, don't you? Gift from God. And he said, I could not understand how Lauren could feel this was a gift from God. But they decided to see it through. God has a higher calling for families and for children, all of our children. I want to close this story. I'm going to finish this rest of the story, but I'm going to close the whole message with a way that makes no sense, but see if it makes sense to you. I want to put a scripture up and see if you can see in how maybe I have seen how this fits. Maybe you won't. Paul is saying, 
I want to report to you, friends, that my being in chains here, he's in Roman prison, has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers here, and everyone else too, found out that I'm in jail because of this Messiah. This piqued their curiosity, and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the Christians here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking and fearless, speaking out fearlessly about God, about the Messiah. Paul was in chains. He was either chained to a wall inside a prison cell, and all of the rest of the time he was chained to a Roman centurion. And you, you know from reading in other places of Scripture, and you've heard it before, that virtually the entire Praetorium Guard became Christians because of Paul. Paul is chained, he's manacled, and yet in this awful way, and he knows he's going to his death, but the whole time when he's doing something, when he's in the midst of something that is awful, he's telling people about Jesus Christ. He's living the Christ life. He's in chains. Something has gone terribly wrong in his life, and yet he's doing something about it. Uh, two weeks ago, Jonathan turned 11. He's profoundly handicapped, profoundly handicapped. I have no clue how many surgeries he's had. He is an absolute joy to his older brother and younger brother and his seven other male cousins who are all younger than him. No. Six. We've got nine grandsons, nine grandkids, eight grandsons, one granddaughter. This little boy's grandmother, Louise, has nine grandsons, no granddaughters. The oldest one is 13, 14, 14 years old now. And they're all little squirts. Chains. I've asked the kids to come and help me. I've got some little itty-bitty, this is stupid, I know. I want you to give everybody a little piece of chain. Here's some more. Pass them out. I want you to take this little piece of chain. I mean, you might keep it for a day or a week or maybe a month. Just a little tiny stupid piece of chain. Put it on your key ring, maybe. Put it in your pocket like I've got one in my pocket here, as a reminder that every time I feel it, that I'm remembering Paul did something when things weren't going well. If things aren't going, yeah. We only have two kids today, and they're both going the same way. I thought they might go separate ways, but that's the way it goes.
Jason, you want to be a big kid? And pass those out? Pass them over this way? Thank you. If you have a pulse, do you have a pulse? You have a purpose. You have a purpose. See what God might do to you and through you. Let's pray together. Father God, I ask now that you would use each one of us in your kingdom work. As I think a little bit about Jeremiah, that you called him and you used him. Lord, I, I know that you call each one of us. You've called each one of us. Help us, Lord, to answer. Help us to be listening. And maybe when someone else's interest, as Paul said, when their curiosity is piqued, that we just might share your love. Father God, now I ask your blessing through each one of us in Christ's name. Amen.